You're listening to Red Nation Online. Sunday, September 18th, it's Prospect 11's Aaron Nielsen, I'm Ian Clark, and we're back from the Bizarro BMO field, where the Bizarro TSC clinch a playoff berth with a month to spare. A 3-3 draw with rivals New York Red Bulls not only put the Reds in the playoffs, but could also set up a delicious future matchup against the top side come November. We go over the tail of the tape of TFC versus New York, run through our key players, and look ahead to both the Philadelphia match next week and approaching postseason. All that and more on the next 45 minutes on Eastside Stand Up. So, Aaron, the streak continues for you. Red Bull streak, you mean? Yes, Red Bull streak. <laughs> I guess uh, I'm Toronto FC. I'm hitting scouts on Red Bull's behalf. Yeah, and two times in a row, Red Bull's game clinching playoff berth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, podcast episode. There you go. A lot less excited this year. It's probably a good thing. <laughs> Last year we were screaming down the street. Yeah. It was also the uh, Batista bat flip same night, so. It was an iconic evening, but uh, um, just a little bit more, well, it's earlier in the year, so it's a bit more laid back, and so... Yeah, usually at this point of the year, we're packing it in. That's true. That's and, true. Uh, you know, saying we're done for the season, or, like last year, we were on the cusp, wondering if it was going to be like the previous eight seasons, so yeah. here we are. It's a strange, It's I don't want to say it's a strange feeling, but definitely, like, this is this is new for any uh, Toronto City supporter to go through this season and be where we are now, sort of, you know, the questions surrounding the supporter shield and clinching yeah. a playoff spot, um, you know, mid-September. Yeah. Uh, with a lot of, quite a bit of season to go, uh, quite a few games left to change things up and see where we finish, so. To be honest, I thought the, it was interesting to me because this was one of the games this year that I actually went to a game. And so I got to get the whole feeling of the crowd and the whole atmosphere and, the whole scent of the sun. <laughs> yeah. Holy shit. It didn't seem like a, a, a crowd that was in euphoria and, and so happy that we're a first place team and we're going to win the Supporters' Shield. And, and they're, you know, truth, honestly and, and deservably, but they were quite critical of the team today and happy when they sort of came back and we'll go into the game. But yeah, I think that's sort of, I was happy to see that kind of thing, right? Because you almost get this, you know, I think it's, it's a sign that MLS crowds are generally maturing, right? Because you you have this notion that all we cared was about wins and losses and goals, and we didn't care about, you know, the finer things of the game. And to me, it felt like today, based on where we are in the standings and everything like that, it seemed like we were almost more harsh than, you know, say a Chelsea fan or a Man United fan or a Barcelona fan in Europe, right? Like we were critical of the team when the team wasn't performing, and we were supportive of the team when the team was supported. So. Um, I kind of got, I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, and I, I think, well, maybe two little things that I'll pull from what you said 
in terms of the crowd and the and the way that they reacted to the game. I still think, although it's definitely improved over mm-hmm. the last five, six, seven years, is that Toronto FC still has a little. Now we managed to draw an announced crowd of twenty four thousand. Yeah. You would think a team at the top, like when you see the Jays competing at the top, they're pretty close to selling out the stadium. Sure. But I think Toronto FC still has a little bit of that lingering Saturday afternoon, perfect weather. Yeah. You know, everything has to line up for it to be a 30,000-person game. Yeah. Not necessarily the team in first place or battling a division rival. Yeah. Which is fine because, you know, five years ago, four years ago, we would have had 12,000, 13,000 yeah. people at this game, realistically, even though it was announced differently, and now we're, we're looking a lot better. Yeah. Um, so there's things to come, but I still think there's so much to take from this game, you know, aside from that. You know, the most notable is that the opponent. Uh, yeah. New York yeah. Red Bulls, so much history uh, now with that club that we've yeah. faced them, you know, and I think most people, the most iconic is go, you know, going back to 2009, a moment that still burns. I think with almost every Toronto FC supporter and to come along from last year and this year and, and that's the team that we clinch our playoff performances with maybe a slight bit of you know sweet yeah I don't yeah. know the revenge isn't the word but you know a little bit of like yeah that's it's fitting yeah. that these that this is the team that we've been clinching our playoff berth with but this year you also have to put in perspective and you were saying it through the game Aaron is that this could very this this could be teeing up a critical map playoff matchup. Yeah, well, teams. I think also based on, you know, just the way sports tends to work, that I think the three games we've had now with New York have been fairly um, situational, iconic, kind of sort of showed where Toronto was at the time. It kind of... Um, it's interesting because the games Toronto's played against the Red Bulls this year have almost been a different level of Toronto, right? Not a level of the star players showing that they're better than their opponent, but the team sort of putting an effort together to try to get something out of the game. They did lose to them. They lost pretty badly. But yeah, even that game, you know, Dravinka went out in 30 minutes, and so the rest of the team sort of had to fight together to hold that game. And it was sort of, you know, that game they kind of lost early, so it wasn't that they were completely outplayed later on in the game. So I think it shows a good sign. You know, I still think... Technically, like I, I predicted Red Bulls would be the top team in the East going into the season. I, I have question marks regarding them, but I think their key players are effective, which we saw certainly today. And I think how they play, you know, how they're able to put people in, take people out. People know their roles, people have their positions and all that kind of stuff makes me have more comfort regarding them than even I do with Toronto at this moment. Yeah, I th- and I think again to to take some of what you said is that yeah i think new york presents and creates uh, a different toronto fc than yeah. we i th- that i would say that we see sort of like week in week out yeah. uh, and we saw that from the from the get go now we know that because they're missing players at the start of the season that toronto had to you know had this dis- different approach in the opening games but the opening game was against New York, where they had to really play this sort of cohesive, defensive, yeah. you know, counterattacking game that ended up paying off. And then we saw the game in New York that was just, you know, a bit shambolic with Bradley Wright Phillips, Bradley Wright Phillips, yeah, yeah. scoring okay. the hat trick <laughs> in, in in quick time within I think 30 minutes. And then today, a game where you saw that, you know, the, to me it looked like Toronto was trying to present themselves as, you know, a, a passing team. Yeah. Uh, they were trying to work triangles and one touch uh, build up and all this kind of thing that. New York is able to do yeah. play a more technical brand of football, and and you know Toronto I think is 
they want to be that. You can see that that's what they're trying to be. Yeah. Um, they want to present themselves as this, you know, a top echelon club in MLS, and that's the style of football that creates that. Uh, but I think what we saw today, if I, you know, can segue into the yeah, segment, I was just going to say before we segue into the sure. game is is that I do feel in Toronto's benefit that I do feel Toronto has more game changers than uh, New York, which we saw today. One missing, but one being very effective today. And even though Wright Phillips and Kretchen are good MLS players, I don't see them as game changers, right? I see them fitting within the system. And, and maybe that's, you know, don't want to get too technical and too, you know, away from the match. But it's almost like New York knows they need to depend on each other and need to play a system to be successful. And Toronto can kind of relax, unfortunately, because they think... You know, Dravinko's going to save them most games. And today, I guess they thought Eltador was going to, well, which happened, but they thought, you know, Eltador was going to save them. And yeah. so visually, it's not the most appealing soccer, right? Like, I think if I was a core fan, you know, I would almost be more enthusiastic about New York. But you cannot, you know, we say this about Dravinko every week, and today it's not Dravinko, but you cannot deny the quality of top-level players. And we certainly saw it today. I thought Eltador had a... You know, a 10, 10 star or whatever performance today. And, you know, Saw showed what, you know, we'll go into the game, but showed what he's capable of doing. Not only what you expect from him, but that he has the skill set or he has the ability to do things that might, su- not us, <laughs> might yeah. surprise us. Yeah, right. <laughs> we'll go into that too. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, let's, well, I mean, all those things will be touched on. If we look at, you know, one short talking point was that, you know, Clint Irwin is working his way back, but obviously Tr- Greg Vanney decided to stay with. He's getting Alex. a lot of work with Toronto FC too. <laughs> Alex Bono's like, no man, like I'm not going back. Yeah. I'll do, he'll, he'll do anything to, to let someone else take that role and take all that heat. Uh, and th- I think I should mention, you know, the players that I think that were, if I miss, if I'm not cr- mistaken that we're missing, um, three key players, I guess you could yeah. say, was Jovinko, Sheru, Ricketts. Yeah. Didn't look like they were available for this game. Uh, so Toronto had Bono and Gold, Betashore, Moore, Zavaleta, Moro, midfield of Delgado, Johnson, Osorio, Bradley, and with Hamilton out the door up front. Mm-hmm. You know, we saw would look to be the, that typical sort of, we've seen quite a bit yeah, of, the, they of the diamond. diamond. Yeah, what they with would sort of Osorio was the guy that was looked to be behind Hamilton and out the door. Yeah. Uh, and you had Johnson and uh, Bradley kind of, or, or Delgado on one side, Johnson on the other with Bradley yeah. sort of anchoring the middle. Yeah. Uh, and you know, the, the first half, I, I, I don't think you can say it really started off, I started off slow. There was actually a lot of action, um, you know, right from the beginning. And you saw this sort of Toronto trying to work this left side, one touch build up mm-hmm. down the wing with Moro, Osorio, Delgado, sometimes working, sometimes not. Um, However, the opening, I say that opening 20, 25 minutes, the, the sort of the two players that sort of stood out to me that, you know, gave you worry was Delgado and Zavaleta, who both oh, had some, in terms of yeah, just yeah. in terms of Delgado having some poor touches and poor passes and Zavaleta having a little bit of, uh, a little too casual on the ball um, defending. And, you know, Toronto had a chance early on in the sixth minute where they, they tried to work one in, but it was the 11th minute where New York, I guess technically it was an own goal. Yeah, but uh, it was it was on a bad turnover from Delgado where he you know the whole the whole team was moving up that left side and he tried to sort of slot it against the body. New York had every guy marked. They yeah. come back on the counter. You see yeah. Felipe cross that ball in, and it gets it gets knocked in the goal and the wind is out of everyone's sail. Now that should we already mentioned off the hop. I mean it was hot as 
yeah, hot, as, us, uh, hot as hell and <laughs> on, on the west on the east side yeah. of the stadium and i don't know how what it was like on the field but we were cooking and that didn't help uh, you know raise anyone's spirits uh to kind of get the team back into it that was a bit of a kick in the yeah team. and it showed me too that you know new york is a team that's comfortable on the counter because i thought both teams had uh breaks off interceptions but it seemed that new york was more knowing what to do and ready to pounce once they got an interception compared to when Toronto got an interception. And I think that that's sort of what the first um, half hour of the game was. That was identified the first half hour of the game. They didn't, I think both teams created, you know, you might go chance to chance, but I think both teams created chances. But I think what was the difference was is how New York was more clinical on their opportunities interceptions and things like that than Toronto were. Yeah, because right after that goal within... Yeah, Nazario just missed. Yeah, I mean, Toronto had three goal-scoring chances pretty much all in a row, like three sequences, where you had the one, Morrill, Altador, Hamilton, and he slotted across the face of goal, and it was like Osorio didn't didn't believe that ball was actually going to land on his feet, and he almost just whacked it, you know, far side or short side, which should have been a goal, because he was all alone. Um, And then in the 23rd minute, you know, Josie had that give and go where he was on the right side of goal and it looked like it was our whole side of the stadium thought it went in they were all celebrating but no he hit hit the short side of goal and then you had that play where Osorio picked up the dispossessed ball dribbled through two players and he saw he had out the door open on the far side but there wasn't enough space between him and Robles and Robles just scooped up that ball and those were sort of three great scoring three great goal scoring chances for Toronto that didn't come out and the result well, I mean, Bradley Wright Phillips almost scores in the 26th minute um, off a header, and Bono makes that great oh, okay, save. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then at the 31st minute, that's the one where Zavaleta tried to get really cute, yeah. trips over his own friggin' feet, yeah. and uh, you know Phillips swoops in, chips it over, scores yeah. two nothing, yeah. uh, and that was a pretty dire moment of the game. It did feel like it did feel like the old days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With New York either coming here with Thierry Henry or us going there, where you know, they've they've in the past definitely put us away early on. Yeah, and it looked it felt like that, right? Like you didn't. Now I will say to the Toronto's credit, like even after that first goal, you know, you didn't really see the you didn't see them hang in their head. They they to me Toronto didn't look like a team that was like at that point defeated. Yeah, I had questions about how they were going to pull us off because obviously we hadn't seen much by that point in terms of you know is Hamilton going to Hamilton Osorio and Altidore going to be the trio that's going to pull this game yeah. you know out of the fire. Um, but luckily, you know, before the first half closes, we saw this that same sort of uh, buildup that it looked like had been practiced, or it looked like they'd been working on it down that left side. And again, we saw, you know, Will Johnson gets it to Osorio. Osorio finds finds some space as he digs into that space. Morrow's going on the left side, yeah. lays it off to Morrow. Morrow puts it instead of putting it into the right into the you know the six yard box, he lays it back more into the eighteen yard box, and Bradley follows up on the play and hammers it in yeah which is hats off to bradley because we don't usually give him much credit for taking the shot do we aaron no no um and and that was the lifeline i think at that point we knew that okay you know two one there's there's a glimmer yeah again i thought that you know um i would have been very doubtful going to the half two nothing down i at that point would have strongly said that new york was controlling the game um I think to Toronto's credit, and what we'll hear as this game goes along, was their ability to 
go against the flow and and you know do something right and um yeah no i thought that was a uh, a decent goal and it seems you know it seemed to be available to us right like yeah. it was almost you know in hindsight when we go later on into the game it's almost frustrating because you think based on the quality toronto has that if you get the ball into the proper scoring chances that we have the guys who can finish them right yeah. and so I think it's less of a question of creating chances and not finishing them and about, you know, creating chances. I yeah, that's and I think it's, wor it's worth mentioning that type of goal. Now, we've had, I'm, I'm thinking more in the, this is a game where I'm kind of thinking the total history of the club, but Toronto has not always been a team that can create and score from open play. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah. They've, they've often relied on, you know, last-second heroics or set pieces or whatever. Uh, and obviously we have Jovinko, who last year was a set-piece set specialist. Sure scoring a lot of goals from that manner, uh, you know, for Toronto to kind of bring a goal up that way and and not just one-dimensional, you know, it's it started with Osorio pushing into the center of the pitch, working it back to the outside, putting the ball in the 18, and, and then Bradley coming through the center again. And, yeah. and it's, you know, that's, I just wanted to make note of that, that that's the kind of goal that they scored, that, this, you know, when we're trying to pull together the big picture of what this team is becoming heading yeah, down and, that and, stretch. and to the credit of both um, Hamilton and Serio, it shows that they're getting technically smarter because they know where to and again we'll go into the second half with this but you know with Endo playing soccer is not only trying to find space it's trying to create opportunity for your fellow players and stuff like that and being a guy who can just you can tap the ball to and the guy will give you back in space or being a guy who you can take the defender away from the other guy and the interesting thing was it with the goal is that the rest of the players must have been on so much on New York's attention to give Bradley that opportunity right because arguably if you're New York and you see Bradley s sitting there on the 18 or the 16 yard box you would you would probably cover him but I think that the defense was so preoccupied by the runs of all the other players that gave Bradley that opportunity to get the free shot and certainly put it in the net right? yep so then we as we go into the second half this this uh <laughs> this sense of relief was short-lived yeah because uh within you know three or four minutes uh you know just Toronto came out just completely asleep yeah. and, and you know we were complaining about in our section people were saying like how can you uh, the guy Howard two down from us was like everyone knows who Brother Ray Phillips is. Yeah, and this play opened up where he just the whole line shifted out of order, and yeah. you had Bradley Ray Phillips wide open one on one with Zavaleta. Well, and just to give Wright Phillips a bit of credit, since we always talk about um, Giovinco's technical ability and his ability to finish, I thought Bradley Ray Phillips' first goal, which he um, lobbed over, you know, I, I guess you could call a lob. Uh, um, Bono, not many MLS players would probably have scored that with such a short, you know, to the net. But I thought the way he finished that second goal was, you know, ace kind of thing. Yeah. You know? Like it was just, you know, find a hole in the net where the goalie's never going to get to and then just put it right in there. Like yeah, and he hit it and he hit it well. Like yeah. it wasn't oh, like yeah. he yeah. just he just tried to place it. He yeah. struck it hard and put a little little bit of curve on it. Yeah. And uh, I mean, yeah. Bono had no chance with, yeah. the, with the pace he put on that ball. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I I agree. Um, and then shortly after that, you know, I guess you have to say there has been points of the season where there's been questions or questionable substitutions by Greg Vanny. Um, but this is a game where you may argue that uh, 
he might have got it a bit better. I'm not sure, but the 51st minute, he got he got all his subs in before the 63rd. <laughs> yeah, we got we got a lot of time to to judge it. Um, well, the first one is Armando yeah. Cooper coming in, right, yeah. for Delgado. Yeah. No complaints there. Yeah, no, uh, no. You know, Delgado, I thought, in a, had a pretty poor game. You know, he has moments where he's, you know, he's uh, battling well in the midfield, but his, his passing, I thought, was not very good. And, and uh, it was one where he sh- I think he should have been the first guy out of there. Yeah. Um, and, then, I, I, and, then not, and then not much longer, we saw Will Johnson Zavaleta go out for Endo and Lovitz, which I think you and I both sort of... You know, given that there was guys yeah, that weren't in this game, I you know sure. I'm not sure who else we could have necessarily put in. Sure, I don't think it necessarily had a major effect on the game. I think if you look at it, you think you know Toronto was in a desperate situation at that point. They're three-one down. Um, you would also look at the fact that Toronto tends to lack wing play, so I guess you're bringing Endo and Lovitz to be your wingers. Problem is, is, is we saw as the game progressed, is the other players don't seem to trust those players. So they were, even though those guys were free on the wing, it didn't really <laughs> have much effect on the game. And then the other thing is, is, is that you know I don't think those substitutions were make it or break it and change the game on anything. But based on the options that they had, I thought that you know um, you, you could have put, I guess Chapman was available, so you could put Chapman in, then put Cooper on a wing, which I thought Cooper would be more effective on the wing. But it's funny to me, because as I was watching, because Cooper was an important story to me, because we've talked about him a lot, and Bezbachenko's hyped him up a lot, and he has a bit of a track record. And to me, it seems that Toronto is dying for technically gifted players, that if you're technically gifted, they'll want you in the center to be part of their passing triangles and stuff like that. So the irony is, is Cooper almost became Johnson's replacement. Right, like he was the guy there to pick up the ball. He was the guy. He was the linchpin between defense to midfield to forward. Arguably, you know, maybe he's good enough to play those positions, but that's not. I don't think why you brought him into the team, right? And so I think it was unfair. I thought Cooper played well, but I thought it was unfair to him because he was never able to do what he is supposed to. Sure, <laughs> you know what, what he is what supposed to do, right? Yeah. And so, and so it's kind of. You know, this is why this is where Eltador, you know, gets some of his criticism. But this is where guys lose their jobs, because you bring guys in to score, you bring guys in to do assists, you bring guys in to be offensive threats, and then you ask them to play a defensive role, and then they lose. You know, they become less imperative to the team. And then when other teams look at them, they're like, "Oh, this guy was supposed to be an attacking winger, and why is he playing defensive midfield in in Toronto?" Right? Yeah. So going forward. I think Toronto needs to look at more technically gifted players, right? And who can play those roles and who can help with the passing and help with the possession to allow athletically um, gifted or offensively gifted players the opportunity for more freedom and more, create more chances and yeah. things like that. And I was, it'll be interesting, this one thing else, I thought the way Cooper was playing excited me and even Ricketts because of Ricketts speed but the way Cooper was playing it might ex- it excited me a bit to see him and Javinko kind of play together right kind of cross and play both of the wings and also play in the center and things like that so it did give me Cooper did give me a, a, a bit of hope the Lovitz and Endo didn't really yeah <laughs> well I mean we'll touch on that in, in a few moments because I will say why and an instance that came in but the first you know obviously after that you know we can say yeah they were they not impact substitutions but definitely the you know things happened for toronto after that yeah and we did see uh josie altador step up and at the 68th minute 
I said I, we, I said it right after it happened. I said we should. I wish we. I was recording this conversation that Aaron and I were having because we're sitting there like a couple old curmudgeons, right? Like the two guys in the Muppets sitting in the thing, like watching these guys set up this play. And I'm, oh, who's gonna take this free kick? And oh, Bradley's standing there, and oh, Altador, and it's like oh, I hope Bradley doesn't take it. And then we're both like Altador should take it. Altador should take this free <laughs> he's kick. He's and then you're like, he's probably, he's, and you go, he's technically better than, than Bradley on this kind of stuff. Altador should take this shot. And I go, yeah, I would, I would probably let Altador take it too. Boom, scores. <laughs> Holy shit. Like, I hope we look smart amongst the people in our section. I hope, yeah, and they're listening <laughs> to us. They're going, yeah, oh, wow, and we just sat there. Like, know what they're fucking talking about. <laughs> yeah, we know what we're talking about. We know exactly what we're talking about. Uh, so, that, you know, Altador gets his, his first. And then, you know, as we as we go through this, I don't, I don't have too many notes other than that. I mean, obviously, we the next one was, you know, trying to tie up the game at the 86th minute. And to touch on the, some of the yeah, situations no, we were talking about. I would just say, because we're going to go into the goal, I thought New York was more in control prior to the goal. Now, the one thing I did notice about New York was it did seem their key players were getting tired. And certainly Wright Phillips, to me, didn't look like a guy who was willing to put the 90 minutes into the game. And so that was giving Toronto chances and opportunities. Although, again, I thought in terms of the break, in terms of possession, I thought New York was a bit more in control than Toronto. So I thought the goal was against the run of play. I didn't think it was, you know, usually when you tie the game up 3-3 and you do these dramatic comebacks, it's because you're putting endless amount of pressure on the opponent and then you finally get your break, right? I thought this was a game that could have gone either way at that moment, and you can go into the goal, but, but you know, I thought the goal was against the run of play in a bit. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'll admit too, like I wasn't, at that point, I oh, still... we were upset right before the goal. <laughs> we yeah. were bitching about something. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I mean, I wasn't convinced that, uh, you know, we were nesting in I mean, three, yeah. you get, I mean, three, three is an unusual scoreline, right? Yeah, to, yeah. to get in, so you're like, oh, are we going to be able to pull us off? But I mean, there was a lot going on before that as we were watching Toronto try to Toronto try to build up to that play and how they were going to try to unlock New York. And I mean, it's I mean we'll talk about it because this is this was sort of the crescendo moment where Bradley has the ball and he's working up and he had Endo wide open, yeah, yeah. wide open on the right. And I just saw and Armando Cooper sitting there. And let's I'll say this to, in defense of Cooper is that he hasn't been on this yeah. team long enough. I don't think he was the only guy who passed him. Yeah, and he, so Cooper sort of signals to to uh, Bradley, you know, pass it out wide to Endo, and Bradley just kind of looks like, he kind of does this like one-two, and he's like, no. <laughs> Fuck no. He goes, I would rather ram this ball up the middle <laughs> to Josie, who's like being triple teamed, <laughs> than pass it out to Endo again, for him to fucking hoof it over the net or yeah. kick it three feet off the ground. Yeah. And, well, the trust that Bradley put in Josie obviously pays off, because yeah. he, and I, I'm trying to, I'm losing, remembering the game that Josie did that recently, too, where he just sort of, you know, took the ball back to goal, you know, bossed through the defender, turned around. And, and, you know, I don't remember if this was a play where it happened, but, you know, this Colin and Altador was a pretty key matchup through most of this yeah, game. Yeah. Um, physical and, and whatnot, and then grabbing and clutching and pulling each other down. And I think for Altador to get this goal in the position that he was at really sealed off uh, a good game for him. A gr- really, really good game yeah, for him, yeah, I would say. Yeah, like, yeah. there was a lot of stuff outside of the goals that Altador did. Yeah. He was, well, I thought Bradley, both Bradley and Altador played a good game, right? Yeah. Like, I think Bradley saved a ball off the net that, that New York could have scored. Yeah, and, yeah, that's true. And, you know, one interesting question, and I hopefully this doesn't be too much of a off-topic thing, but, like, how good could Toronto be if their wingers, like if the Endo and Levitz were technically gifted and fit in with everybody else? Like, do you think that... 
if you're in Bradley's shoes there, would you have done what Bradley did? Well, you heard me talking. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely I would have. Okay. I, would, I mean, I after the, the second endo came in, and I saw him playing as winner, and that first one where he looked like he was trying yeah. to, you know, thought he was, looked like a rugby player, yeah. you know, or Australian Reels rugby player trying to kick it through the posts. I mean, it's just like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. Uh, I, I had lost a lot of, you know, confidence in him as a wide player, yeah. you know, a long time ago. So I probably would have done the same. You know, you have to, you kind of have to play the team game and, and work it out to him. But yeah, I, I, I agree with you that, you know, and I would say that, you know, we've had these conversations from last year to this year that, you know, if, if, if we try to look at Toronto in a, in a reasonable manner, yeah. as much as I expect a team to be able to turn it around in one year, yeah. it can take two or three years to get it exactly where you want it. You know, you saw that with Rail Salt Lake, tinkering with that until they're finally like a consistent top Sure, know, sure. You know, supporter Shield contender every year. Um, and I think I would expect Toronto would look at that and say, shit, you know, if we had some guy with a sweet right foot. Yeah. Um, you know. Well, they do have some guy with a sweet left foot, but. <laughs> yeah. yeah He's a true. defender. Yeah. They don't. Yeah. It doesn't seem to, to fit in. So, I mean, that's, I mean, that's the situation that we're in. Uh, but I think we could maybe touch on that or circle back on that. But, I, you know, to, to, to end the game off. Yeah. We obviously Toronto finishes three three, yeah. uh, and and to touch on your observation of the New York team, they're all on the ground, like they look like yeah, collapsed yeah, yeah, to yeah, the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, whether they were distraught of of letting that win get away from them or that they had nothing left in the tank, I thought that was a very like yeah, interesting be, view be, that all be, almost all of them to be on the unfair ground. to MLS this weekend is is that I had a chance to watch a bit of EPL this morning and yesterday morning, where they do have. For the most part, they have technically gifted players in all positions of the field. And you look at the game in the second half, positions that Endo had, and even Lovitz. Lovitz had a couple of chances from the left where he ran in and lost possession of the ball. And you would think if you had capable players there, it could have been 5-3. It could have been, you know, like by that point of the game, Toronto was exploiting New York fairly well, which is a good sign going forward. But, you know, you hope... You know, certainly Javinko, you hope he's healthy and you hope Cooper can find a role in the team because if we can go, if everyone can play and everyone's everyone's healthy to play, I think, you know, this is a good sign for Toronto going forward. Yeah, and I don't, th- I think obviously we've, we talk about him a lot and talked about him recently, but there, I don't think there's any question that the player of the game was Josie Altidore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, both his goals were great. It was great to see him step up and get a free kick. Uh, you know, like as I said, he did a lot of other things other than just scoring goals. I mean, up until that point, his his work, you know, on goal kicks uh, from Bono, you know, back to goal and doing really well at heading the ball into open space for, you know, one of his Delgado or Osorio, whoever, to kind of pick that ball up and keep the, the play moving forward. Yeah. Um, I thought he had a, yeah, I just thought it, I, it's nice to see that, you know, I said it a few games back that I, I feel like Alter is having like a great season. And at, at, a, at a point where he hadn't scored a lot of goals, even yeah, at that point, yeah. I was saying, I think he's having a great season because the games that we've seen him play in, Toronto has looked their best. Um, and that's what I, that's sort of the, my qualifier. Yeah, my line is is that it's interesting in this game because you did have the sort of, well, you didn't have Javinko, right? So you, you got to see the team without Javinko. You know, that was one of the interesting things. The other interesting thing is you kind of had this one-on-one battle in the midfield of Kretschant. Or Christian, question, uh, Sasha question, question, and Bradley, and and they're basically one on one covering each other, right? And I thought, you know, I thought at certain points of the game, especially at the beginning of the game, I said question was better than Bradley, but I think by the game, by the time the game ended, and certainly health wise and grittiness and all that kind of thing, I thought Bradley outperformed 
regression to this at the beginning of the season, but what makes Altidore such a significant player is there's no one comparable to him in the league, right? It's not like other teams have this third guy who I can't even think off the top of my head because, you know, the other forwards in this league who are effective are different type of players, right? Yeah. You know, they're not the... Usually, you know, the, the irony with Altidore... Well, Lauren would be the one exception, right? But usually guys like Lauren and guys like Altidore are sold very quickly because teams in Europe see the athletic potential of these players, right? So the guys who usually excel in MLS because they're not liked in Europe are your Wondolowskis, yeah. right? The 5'10 guy who has a good touch, you know, Dom Dwyer's, things like that, who are, don't really have the high potential but are effective in MLS. And, and so, you know, I just think it, if Eltador's on his game, there's no, there's really limited things other teams can do to, to stop him and and then you know to add to that you know with the free kick to goal today he does have a lot of technical gifts that you know are un, sort of underlooked and you know not really um it's interesting it's good I think it's good for Toronto's sake is is looking I think U.S. has a fairly easy schedule in the hex and I think Eltador is now a main player on U.S. So I think his confidence is only going to grow because I think he's playing against Trinidad and Honduras and the Hex. And those will be the games in between the playoff games. So hopefully he's, you know, first of all, hopefully he remains healthy. But second of all, you know, I think this is, you know, it's, it's our whole marathon, not a marathon, not a It's not a marathon. <laughs> it's not a sprint. It's, it's this. A be ready when you're, when you're asked to. And, yeah. and for him, I think that that's... Uh, you know, that's something that's happening for him right yeah. now. So I think that's a good sign for Toronto. Yeah. And, and the, you know, the one thing I wanted to say that I, you know, because, oh, I, I should have said it off the top that I was like, obviously, this is the first podcast we've done in a while. We've missed a few, yeah. um, you know, monumental games. I've been traveling for work and the timing, the, you know, the Canada game was the timing I was leaving for that, et cetera, et cetera. I was out of town. With Joe, Joe Vinko being out, to add on to that point is that, you know, everyone was, you know, pretty distraught. Oh, Javinko gets injured. He's going to be on for X, Y, Z weeks. And I thought to myself, actually, I think this is actually perfect. I thought this team was peaking too soon. Oh, okay. I thought okay. Jovinko was getting too hot too soon. The team yeah. was looking too great in August. I don't want them looking great in August. I want them looking great at the end of September. Sure. You know, going into, into the beginning of October or getting great in October. And for me, you know, I kind of like this injury actually times pretty well if you yeah. ask me that the only, the he only, gets back and gets yeah. back into form right as Toronto's ramping up the for the playoffs. O- the only... You know, the only counterpoint I will say to that is I have seen Toronto play, you know, that game in Montreal early in the season. I saw Toronto play a perfect defensive style game that was very effective. I haven't seen them play a perfect offensive style game that's effective, right? And so it'd be nice to see Altadora's full, Cooper in the lineup, Javinko at his best, Bradley, you know, contributing offensively to see how good we are right and to see where we can rely on going into the playoffs that being said I think you know this certainly gives a lot for the teams who are scouting Toronto we're going to play Toronto in the playoffs to look at right because they're going to say you know we got to look beyond Dravinko it's this team's more than just Dravinko and and you know that's going to prove hopefully give us more opportunity when we play them in the playoffs and stuff like yeah that. and you know speaking of the playoffs we set it off the top we're in <laughs> yeah we're in it we aren't as we aren't as uh you know celebrated as we were in 2015 but uh i still think you know feeling pretty good about it and lots to look ahead to and again as we said this particular fixture is a really interesting one because 
you know, this I pro- ideally or potentially could be the you know the key whatever uh, conference final, semifinal game, and we're sitting at you know Toronto with a win, New York with a win, and now a three-three draw. Yeah, and you can you can make a case that it's like wow, this is you know these are two guys that are two teams yeah. that are pretty evenly matched yeah. in terms of two different styles right like as yeah. you, as you put it out there new york is a team that doesn't have a you know a standout player but doesn't have any weak links whereas toronto you know in that starting 11 today there were a couple weak links but there were key players who were better yeah. than yeah. new york's players yeah. and and sort of made the difference uh, on toronto's weak links so i think it's 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 interesting and i hope that yeah, you know, at the moment, um, you know, if I was giving um, odds in terms of who's favorite and stuff like that, you know, I would now put Toronto slightly ahead of New York. And, and to this point, I thought New York was the better team than Toronto. But the fact today that Toronto, you know, it was it's funny because we've talked about this in the past, but it was Toronto's how athletic they were towards the end of the game, how gritty they were towards the game, that the game, you know, it was them to win or lose it at the end. It seemed New York was going to be, you know, New York was the road team. I'm starting to but believe in Bespachenko's yes, grit metric. Know. There you go, Aaron. <laughs> yeah, the grit metric is real. Um, you know now, now the, the interesting thing, and I don't know if you want to say any comments, and I don't know if you watched the game, but I thought Montreal played a technically intelligent game against Toronto in that one nothing win here. And I thought they deserved that one nothing win based on the situation. And then that was the irony. The funny thing about that game was is Toronto was a man up again and failed to do anything with that man up. Yeah. So, you know, it's, you know, it's, that's the kind of thing, right? Like it's still, but I do think, you know, you're looking at, for me, you're looking at the top three teams in the East and Montreal, New York and, uh, and Toronto, right? So, so these are the teams you're, you're going to probably have to play to get through to get to the final. And I think we're better player for player than Montreal. I just think you know Montreal has Montreal's a- <laughs> come, coming up with a good with a good strategy and approach, yeah. and really befuddled us. They did it last year in those last two games. Yeah. It was and it was you know we we were so smart we knew how to do it, yeah. uh, how to sort of stymie Toronto. And this year it looks like. After the loss, we went into Montreal with the right approach, but they came to Toronto with the right approach. So, yeah, you know, that that will be an interesting opposition or opponent if we have to face them again. Yeah, because um, it will require us to, you know, really just not throw those guys out there and hope they perform because they will come out um, with some kind of strategy to to stop whatever our best strengths are. Yeah, uh, and the only thing I would say that um, as this exit, maybe the last little touching point on Toronto FC. You know, clenching a playoff spot is the fingers crossed that we do get a home game. Yeah, I hope they yeah. don't shit the bed on that like they did last year. Yeah. Uh, and if they get a home home game, I'm hoping this is uh, leading into a sights and sounds that you know we see that South End and we see the rest of the stadium giving support like we did in the early days. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's and, and today, what we saw, of course, yeah. was that sight and sound. Yeah, it's uh, section one. 115 I think they're in or 115 is that obviously inebriati was taking Protesting a seat taking something. a seat and I think if I'm not mistaken I saw some tweets out there I th- if I'm if I've followed this correctly because I we weren't for those games and obviously the Montreal game we didn't make a comment on the infamous two stick <laughs> and uh, I think they are, are facing sanctions against flags and stuff like that so their reaction was sitting in the first half and then when Oddly enough, if I'm if I saw that correctly, they were still sitting in the second half. But once 
New York scored that goal. Then they got up and started right. cheering, and then this, then the cheering kind of started to build. So I wonder, and I'll give them credit for that, because you know sometimes you only go with how the team is going. Yeah. And yeah. Toronto needed a lift. Yeah. yeah. And when they look, we were at our lowest point. There was a section in, in the south yeah. end that was really. You know, you turned and heard it, and you saw it, and they were really going off. So yeah, no, no, I give them incredible credit for that, and, and it's just in their importance in terms of the sound and atmosphere of the game. the The interesting thing is, to me, is you know, it's it's one of those weird conundrums and stuff like that. Is supporter sections to me almost seem an MLS marketing thing? to make soccer exciting in, in North America, right? And, you know, again, watching, you know, um, games in England, you know, they sing, they cheer, they 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 um, have chants and stuff like that, but it's not this organized... Yeah, again, it's, it's, it's you know, I don't know if, if, if the crowd support in terms of that lifts the team up and helps the team. You know, I think that's a bit more <laughs> talk than, than reality. But it was interesting to me in the first half because the crowd was reacting to the game, which I felt very interested in, and it felt very uh, soccer to me, right? Like if games had been elsewhere and games that mattered, you know, that was the feeling in the stadium that the that the crowd was singing or the crowd was reacting, basing on the actions on the pitch, and not a set sort of act. And you know, and it's funny because I came here um, last year. I went to a game pretty much a year ago and brought someone from England who's very established in England football and stuff like that. And he hated his experience at that BMO. Um, he hated the experience because people get up to get drinks and, and beer during the game and people stand up all the time. You know, it, it's interesting because, you know, certainly if they're in the broader with here, they would say they are important and they, you know, stand for something significant. I did feel that the, not only the big circus, you know, you probably saw it, the big circus, yeah. TIFO or whatever they call it, but I thought the atmosphere for that Montreal game was very good, and and I'm looking forward, you know, uh, going back to where we started when you were talking about attendance, it'll be interesting to me, first of all, if we get the playoff home game, how quickly we sell that home game, because I think that will be a good reflection, like if we sell in two days, I think that'll be a great reflection of the interest of Toronto FC in Toronto, and then second of all, you know, that game itself. And, 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 you know, the atmosphere and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, I do think, the, you, know, the, you know, I've said this before in previous podcasts, but I do feel Toronto now has a solid football or soccer fan base and, and people who understand the game, people who, what I was saying earlier, appreciate quality of the game, um, you know, certainly support their team and, and, you know, are following their team. And, you know, I remember, you know, in, you know, the good old days in 2007 and stuff like that, I remember guys going to the supporter section then just to have a drink and a good time and me ta- asking them, oh, you know, how's these soccer players? How's Chris Posniak? They had no clue who the guys right. were on the thing. And I don't think that would be the case today, right? I think that we are now connected to these players, connected to these teams. We know who these guys are, especially now with, you know, the talk of the Canadian Premier League and all that kind mm-hmm. of stuff. I think soccer is in the great base right now in Canadian 
the Canadian world, kind of. Thing. Yep. And if people want to hear your opinions on the Canadian Premier League, uh, they can catch you on Twitter, Aaron. Okay. We sure. We're, we're, we're getting a good <laughs> no, point. No, no, I was going to say. Yeah, we know we will. I'm sure. And as um, anything trickles out, we'll kind of yeah, get yeah, that sure, in an episode because sure. the timing is it's a little yeah, bit yeah, of a late no, pass no, no, right no, now. But uh, you know, we obviously have had you and I both have been a little bit active on Twitter recently talking about Canadian players and, and the potential of the league and whatnot. And maybe hey, maybe even we just do a separate podcast and talk about it. Yeah. That could be something that we could put out. Um, in the next month or two before this uh, season wraps up or when the season wraps up. That would be actually be a great idea. Come back of Gaffer and Hooligan. Yeah, well, yeah, there you go. I'll be the host. Where's Kamal? I'll, I'll fill in for Kamal. Uh, so, yeah, let's leave it at that so people can get you at uh, Prospect11 yep. and at EMB Sports on yep. Twitter. Um, still super busy, seeing lots of stuff come up on both and lots of discussions going on, obviously, that you've been uh, involved yeah, in Yeah, yeah, there, there's... there's quite a bit behind the scenes stuff that I'm probably not going to go into detail with at the moment but um, we are in terms of upfront stuff we are you know I mentioned the Canadian Premier League and stuff like that but we're putting a greater emphasis on local talent uh, we've been following the CIS and, and CCAA which is the college game here League One Ontario which has had a remarkable or an amazing season with not only um, you know successful season, but all the teams, 16 teams, still viable and playing through the whole year, which is good to say for League One Ontario. So yeah, so, so expect more Canadian content via Prospect 11 in the near future. Great, and everyone knows you can get me at Clark Arno on Twitter or at RedNationOnline.ca. You can reach us there, or sorry, on Twitter at RedNationOnline. You can email me at info or have your say at RedNationOnline.ca. Uh, and let us know your thoughts on this game, the upcoming games, anything we got wrong, missed, etc. And uh, if there's any good points, we'll talk about it on the next episode. So next weekend, we're playing Philadelphia, a good division rival, a team that I really hate. So hopefully we come out on top on that. I think Andre is coming out for that game. So it'll be a fun one. Haven't talked to had him on the pod for a long time, so it'll be good to hear from him. And I think we'll leave it at that, guys. So Toronto FC, 3-3 draw of New York. Back to back years in the playoffs, and uh, you know, hopefully, a lot more story to write for Columbus. Yeah, (laughs) for this 2016 season, we'll leave it at that. Thanks for listening, guys. Catch you next time. We want you to get involved. Reach out to us on Twitter at Red Nation Online or by email at info or have your say at rednationonline.ca. Get in touch with us. Let us know how you thought the team did. Agree, disagree, it doesn't matter. Also, check out our other podcasts on Red Nation Online. From the Black Hole, Ours is the Fury, in our interview series. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you guys next time.